Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sports, concerts, and all types of shows. If you're a Penn State sports fan, football season may be over, but there are men's basketball and hockey tickets readily available on GameTime. It's really easy to use. You can see the seats you're picking, the exact view you're going to get, whether it's at the BJC or at the Ice Arena. So check it out. Good starts to the season for both, both Penn State basketball and hockey. GameTime is a great place to get tickets. Now the GameTime app is hooking you up for the holidays too with a $10 credit. Here's what to do. Download the GameTime app in the Google Play or App Store, click on the My Tickets section of the app, create an account, then under the Billing section, redeem code THEATHLETIC. Once again, that's THEATHLETIC, all one word, for $10 off your first purchase. That's free money, people. Credit is only available to the first 1,000 people who redeem the code, and it expires at the end of the year, December 31st. So make moves quick and score last-minute tickets with game time. Welcome back to Dear Old State, the Athletics Penn State podcast. It is early signing week already. I am Penn, I am college football editor Matt Brown, joined by Penn State writer Audrey Snyder. Audrey, you're back from your big signing recruiting trip. Are you ready for signing day this week? I think so, Matt. We've got a little bit of snow on the ground in State College. Looks and feels like winter around here. Uh, Christmas is right around the corner. The bowl game is right around the corner, so of course we have to add the early signing period on top of that. Wednesday, we'll be here very, very soon. Um, Matt, I expect this to be a pretty low-key early signing period for Penn State, just in terms of I don't anticipate any surprises, which is probably what most people want from an early signing day. So maybe there will be a surprise. We'll see. Yeah, I just (laughs) jinxed it, actually. Exactly. So this week, uh, we'll get into a lot of previewing early signing day here on our Monday morning edition. Uh, One somewhat newsworthy note, I guess, it was the Penn State football banquet this weekend as well. At some point on, we'll do a podcast where we give our uh, awards for the season and such. The only awards that matter. Of course. Penn State, the (laughs) the State College Quarterback Club banquet crowned Penn State's internal awards at least. Um, and KJ Hamler, the MVP of Penn State season, most valuable offensive player was Pat Frymuth. Uh, most valuable defensive player was Michael Parsons. Hard to argue really with any of these choices. And then Audrey, there was at least one bit of news for, from, from this banquet. Yes. Breaking banquet news, uh, per <laughs> Twitter Sunday night, walk on former walk on running back. Nick Yuri was awarded a scholarship by James Franklin during the banquet. So, there you have it. Now, all of the lawn boys are on scholarship, so you have that. Um, but, a lot of know, running backs could be on scholarship next year. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. They're going to have like a million running backs on scholarship. Um, but, yeah, Nick Yuri was added to that. So, of course, I am sure I haven't seen a video of it or anything, but I'm guaranteeing we probably will later today because that's usually how the walk-on gets a scholarship type stories, uh, at least internally, are kind of sent out. But, man, teammates raved about this guy and just what he meant to that running back's room in terms of, you know, it's all these blue-chip guys, highly touted recruits, and then there's Nick Yuri, and he was kind of the motor for that room. And Journey Brown spoke so many times about Nick Yuri's importance uh, to that position group. So he gets a scholarship. Um, you know, Matt, you also see, like, they have all different kinds of awards. I think they have they must give out, like, 30 different awards and, like, 
you know, you've got scout team players of the year on both sides of the ball. You've got special teams players of the year. Um, Nagiri scout team, special teams player of the year. There we uh go. Uh-huh. <laughs> you get the academic club achievement award, the senior with the highest GPA, which no surprise is punter Blake Gilligan. Um, I found this one interesting. The highest academic average on the team was between Blake Gilligan and quarterback Will Levis. So the backup quarterback go. apparently must really crush it in the classroom. Uh, so that's that's always interesting. And, like, you know, they have sportsmanship awards, leadership awards, all these kinds of things. Um, but I thought the important one, of course, was K.J. Hamler getting the MVP award. And Sean Clifford wasn't, because he wasn't the MVP, he wasn't the most valuable offensive player. That was Pat Fryermuth. So I thought that was a little bit surprising considering how well Clifford had played this year. Uh, his first, of course, as a uh, starter. But, I mean, you really can't argue with the choices there, Matt. No, I no, mean, you, it's, <laughs> you have to. Well, that's our brief news. That's about, uh, there's been a lot of news lately, but there it's been somewhat quiet for a few days. At least yeah, after. No... We're still waiting on an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, waiting for Bull Media Day, which is coming up later this week, waiting for Friday, signing day. Wednesday. So, <laughs> and no new entries in the in the transfer portal, so there, there is go. that. So it's a and pretty, no NFL draft decision since we last talked either. Yes, it's a pretty like calm week, <laughs> and part of that is because it is finals week. Finals start today, so like for example, I mean Justin Shorter still has not announced where he's going yet, but he's still here on campus because he's still enrolled in classes. So like this is your time of the year where you've got a lot of moving parts, uh, but I expect Matt. When James Franklin meets with the media Wednesday for signing day, there's going to have to be some sort of comment or mention or question of the offensive coordinator. Yeah. And certainly Friday, because typically when they meet, it's usually like they make the offensive coordinator available as well as the defensive coordinator uh, for their on-campus bowl media day. So I would assume you'd make that interim OC available uh, on Friday. And so I would also think, Matt, if there is a draft decision for K.J. Hamler to make, uh, maybe he doesn't know, I'm not sure, but if he is going to make a decision, perhaps it could come Friday at Bowl Media Day, assuming I'm gonna he guess meets no. with the media. I'm going to guess not. Or, yes, he <laughs> maybe bleeds it out till after the bowl game, which is you know typically how things have worked in the past. So we'll see. But if he is made available, Matt, Friday, we can guarantee it'll be asked about. You know, fair It will game. be asked about. My, I'm, I, th- I think the, the favorite in, in the... In the clubhouse is uh, that he'll say, I'll make the decision after the bowl game. But we'll see. We can be surprised. We've been surprised by some of these tweets come out already. So who knows, I guess. (laughs) It's been a little bit different this year than than usual. Yeah, which has been nice. I mean, maybe the 29th, the day after the bowl game, won't be as chaotic. But I guess, Matt, and I don't know if this matters for KJ Hamler or not. Honestly, I don't. But you'd think at least... Maybe he'd want to know who the offensive coordinator is or is going to be if he wants to stay around for another year. Or maybe, like I said, maybe that doesn't even matter and his mind is made up or whatever. But you do have this other moving part going on there where you've got to hire an OC, which is a quite a big deal. Well, so that is still up in the air. But as we said, we don't expect... Now, who knows? Uh, surprises are surprises for a reason. So we, can't, yeah, Matt, so we, last, we don't expect surprises. Last but... <laughs> Monday, we weren't anticipating what we, en- what we ended up writing <laughs> about true. with Ricky Ronnie. But Penn State has 27 verbal commitments in the class of 2020. Uh, we mm-hmm. would expect you know, that class to be all but finalized on Wednesday. Most of the yeah. early, most most people have been signing in the uh, early signing window. Who knows what could happen if there's a straggler or two of a new commitment or, or whatever before February. 
but most of the class will sign across the country. And that makes it, this is basically the real signing day in February. It just feels like an afterthought at this point, which is still, still an adjustment, but uh, that's just the way it is. You don't have an offensive coordinator. A lot of teams, some teams are just introducing head coaches and they have to sign a class in like two days. So for Penn State, it's been, there's been some decommitments, but it's been pretty smooth recently. It's been pretty quiet. Theo Johnson was the big name. They were waiting for the four-star tight end from Canada. And he, he committed and gave Penn State two top 100 recruits along with Curtis Jacobs. And that is our transition into your Monday Good story transition. this week on The Athletic was about Curtis Jacobs, the four-star recruit, number 44 nationally in the 24-7 composite uh, linebacker recruit from McDonough School in Maryland. Audrey, you visited with him. You wrote a big story about him that's up on The Athletic now. Your takeaways from who the guy who is the star of Penn State's recruiting class. Yeah, you know – for third year in a row, Matt, the headliner of the recruiting class is a linebacker. You know, of course, you go Micah Parsons, then Brandon Smith, and now you've got Curtis Jacobs, who they're looking to eventually make him that Sam linebacker. And, you know, that's a position that over the years, I remember talking with Brent Pry about it a few years ago. It's such a hard position to fill because you've got to have this unique skill set, like tremendous athleticism to get those guys and players like that, I mean, it's not like they're easy to find, you know. So they feel like they have that with Jacobs. And there there were a few things that impressed me about him, Matt. And I went to his school last Tuesday, the McDonough School, which I'm sure Penn State fans, followers know that school because that's where P.J. Mustafer went. That's where Devon Ellis went. So again, for the third consecutive class, Penn State is signing a kid from McDonough. So there's that part about it. Uh, but... Like there's you a connection too with James Franklin, correct? Yes. So Hakeem Suley, who is the coach there uh, at McDonough, was on the Maryland team when James Franklin was the offensive coordinator there in 2009. So there are a ton of connections between this school and, you know, geographically it's like three and a half hours away. So you're going to get some kids who are, of course, going to come to Penn State just because of, you know, where it's located and all those kinds of things. Regular students. Um but on top of that, Penn State has been there a ton. Um, when I was there last week, Brent Pry was there right before me. And while I was there, Larry Johnson came in the building and was recruiting some of McDonough's 2021 and 2022 kids. So this school, again, tons of talent that comes through there. So it's going to continue to be a big part of Penn State, you know, a school that they're going to recruit really hard, but so is everyone else. And that was it was really funny, Matt, because... I'm there and, you know, I covered Larry Sr. when he was at Penn State for a little bit when I was like a student reporter and the high school coach was getting ready to meet with me and he's like, hey, I'm really sorry Larry Johnson just got here. And I was like, oh, no worries, take your time. And he's like, he's out in the hallway if you want to say hi. So, of course, <laughs> I said hello. Um, and Larry, I don't know, either remembered me or pretended really, really well to remember who I was. Uh, so that was just funny how you, you know, you bump into some of these familiar faces when you're out there, which I think is also a good reminder, Matt, of what Penn State continues, you know, working against on the recruiting trail and how they're always chasing Ohio State. Uh, but in particular with Curtis Jacobs, when I go to some of these schools, I, of course, I want to talk to the football coach, but I also like to talk to teachers and secretaries and people who see these kids like on a daily basis and Jacob's boards at McDonough five days a week. So he's from that area. His parents live nearby. But I was able to speak with 
their school secretary who just so happens to live next door to Curtis. So she lives in the dorms, uh, this woman, older lady, she's a grandma herself, but, you know, lives with, with all these kids. And, you know, when people are giving you anecdotes about how nice of a person someone is, like, I think that's always good for us to keep in mind as reporters or as fans who are, you know, trying to figure out who these people are. Like, the football part, of course, is the reason why the coaches are coming to this school. But there's this other side of it where all the people I talk to, like Curtis Jacobs, isn't going to give you a problem off the field. Like Curtis Jacobs isn't going to be somebody, as we saw in this class, as there were all these decommitments, he kept his word. He didn't take an official visit anywhere else. Um, All that stuff, I think, matters when you look at leadership and kind of how people put, put these classes together. And I hadn't realized, Matt, uh, Curtis told me that Derek Wingo was like the person who really got him interested in Penn State. And because of Wingo, Jacobs was like, okay, like I'm going to, you know, really look hard at this school, that kind of thing. Well, obviously, Wingo then decommits and he's getting ready to sign with Florida. But those also guys have a story about him friends. up on The Athletic today by our Florida. I was going to say, I saw that this morning. Yeah, Will Salmon had a, had a big feature from Derek Wingo at his state title game. Um, so, I mean, when you're dealing with all these highly touted kids, there's oftentimes a level of respect, a friendship among them because they've gone through so many of these showcases together. They understand the recruiting process. And like the thing that always fascinates me about recruiting, yes, it's the football part, but it's also like the social dynamics of it. So, so many of these kids, again, Matt, because it's 2019, they're talking, you know, either via DMs or the recruiting group chat. Like that's how they're communicating. So, one of the things that I'll write about it this week is like, you know, what happens when a kid decommits, right? Like, does he announce it himself in the group chat? Does he get kicked out? Does he just leave? <laughs> like, there's all these funny dynamics to it, um, but that's how they get to build relationships. And I mean, Jacobs is so unique in that he was originally a receiver, then he became a safety Then this year, his school said, all right, we really want to get him reps at linebacker because that's where he's going to play in college. But they're playing some pass-happy teams, so they put him down at D-end, and he was really disruptive, so they kept him at D-end. So you're getting a guy who hasn't played a lot of linebacker. That's the fun part for Penn State because you don't have all these habits to break, but that's also, you know, the challenging part with the learning curve, too. And you got to remember, you got Lance Dixon last year, too, who's had a year to redshirt, so... I don't think Curtis Jacobs is going to be a guy who, at least from a linebacker spot, is going to come in and contribute right away because there's so much to learn, and he can't early enroll. That's the other part. Um, McDonough School doesn't allow that. P.J. Mustafer was able to get here in May when he did that, but Curtis isn't sure. The school really doesn't want kids to leave early, uh, so he might not be able to get here until June. But maybe it's a guy who you see like Dixon this year, a little bit on defense, a little bit on special teams. But long term, Matt, you've got some big time linebackers, uh, particularly because, I mean, Micah Parsons, I'd be absolutely stunned if he's here beyond next year. But eventually you're going to have Brandon Smith, you're going to have Lance Dixon, you're going to have Curtis Jacobs, uh, Charlie yeah, so Ketcher, still on the roster. Guys. Yeah, Luketa. Yeah. Geez, we forgot about him. Yeah. That's the thing. Jacobs, you you know, I, I would expect to see him in some capacity next year. He's like, you know, he's a top 50 national recruit. You know, the guys that talented rarely don't play early. 
but they don't need him to be in like step in and be a starter or something. Like mm-hmm. they they just don't. They they can be they can afford to be patient with him and, and to make that transition because yeah, as you just said, they they are still loaded at linebacker. Even though they're losing two starters, they are loaded at linebacker and they've recruited the position so well to have you know three as you said three years in a row to have the top recruit in the class be a linebacker. Uh, pretty good for Brent Pry. Now, everybody, of course, wanted Julian Fleming to be the top <laughs> recruit in this class, and that's just, you know, it, it's always going to be like the asterisk on this class for Penn State yep. is that you had, you know, one of the best recruits in, like, Pennsylvania history and, and uh, an hour and a half down the road and missed. But independently of that, just based on the story you wrote and the time you spent with him, it seems like Curtis Jacobs is a pretty good centerpiece for a class to build around. Absolutely, and I think, Matt, too, when you look at you know, all these linebackers, what Jacobs told me is, I think, really important. What he told, you know, what Brent Pry told him, um, which is that, and I'm pulling up the quote in my story now, direct quote that uh, Curtis Jacobs relayed to me from Brent Pry. He said, I was talking to him earlier and he said, if I wanted to leave, I would have done it already. Like he's pretty solid in where he is and I like that about him. So Brent Pry is telling these kids that he's, you know, in it for the long haul, Obviously, James Franklin getting that six-year contract, which the terms have still not been disclosed, but he got the six-year contract, uh, you know, certainly helps ease these kids' minds before they sign and everything becomes binding on Wednesday. But um, yeah, I mean, to me with Jacobs, it's like you get really, really intrigued by the athleticism and you want to try and figure it out. But the other part of this, and it's something that I wrote in the spring, is Dante Thornton Jr., the big-time 2021 receiver, is very close with Jacobs. They trained together when they were, like, middle schoolers. So by getting Jacobs, who you really wanted, you also help put yourself potentially in a more favorable position to get his friend in the following class. So that, you know, there's always, again, all these dynamics at play in recruiting, which is why I love writing about it because it's so fascinating. Um, But, Matt, I would encourage everyone, and since this is the Monday show, Please sign up, subscribe to The Athletic, uh, take a look at the work that we're doing. I think when people ask, okay, well, how do you guys cover recruiting? I think this is it. Uh, It's deep dives on these players. It's looking at trends. It's looking at not just, okay, I enjoyed my visit. It was fun. But what stood out about the visit? What did the staff tell you? Um, And we're going to have quite a few stories like that up this week on The Athletic. Also, if you missed it, my piece about Ricky Ronnie from last week. Uh, is up there as well. And you'll be getting a Keandre Lambert feature this week too. Uh, so we will be recruiting heavy this week with our with our content, which again, this is the week for it, Matt. The holiday season is here, and we know what that means for football fans. It's bowl season, as in well over 30 bowl games before the national championship game on January 13th. If that's not enough to get you excited, the playoff push is underway for the pros. Need even more? The DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on all the action and more 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day, especially this week. DraftKings has given away eight days of Sportsbook gifts this holiday season. Be sure to check out the Promos tab in the DraftKings Sportsbook app each of the eight days leading up to Christmas to open your daily gift. You definitely won't want to miss what's in store for Christmas Day. With promos like these, it's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use code TOSS. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet when you sign up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, 
Sign up with code TOSS to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Pennsylvania only. In partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Restrictions apply. Well, let's dive into that just a little bit. Mm -hmm. You haven't published your Keandre Lambert story yet, but uh, you were down in Norfolk, again, at the same time as Ricky Ronnie being introduced as the Old Dominion coach, very strangely, but it worked out for us. Um, Keandre Lambert is the, according to the 24-7 sports composite, he is the number four player in Penn State's class, four-star recruit, uh, number three player in the state of Virginia, six foot one, 176 pounds. He spent a little time down there as well. Your takeaways over a guy who about, you know, we mentioned how Curtis Jacobs doesn't necessarily need to play right away at linebacker. Uh, There's a need. Kendra Lambert, could we, could we see him next year? <laughs> I think you could, Matt. And, you know, I'll, I'll share this anecdote uh, without giving away too much of my story. But when I showed up to his school last Thursday, so Lambert did – uh, his Mari High School team, which has a crazy good athletic history, uh, his uncle is Cam Chancellor. Cam also went to the same school, played football there, starred there. Chancellor's photo is like everywhere in that school, in the weight room, in the office, all that kind of thing. Uh, but Lambert did win a state title this past Saturday. So he had, I believe, two touchdowns in the game. And Talking with five-star corner Tony Grimes, which I also did during my trip down there. Now, this is a high-priority guy for the 2021 class, but Grimes is very familiar with Lambert. They had played some seven-on-seven together, and Grimes was telling me, yeah, I think Lambert's a little bit underrated. I think this kid's a five-star, and he's going to be really good. Um, So I said, okay, and we've talked about that, and I'll include more of that in my story. But I show up to Mari High School last Thursday, uh, and Keandre Lambert, it's like middle of the afternoon, and I meet with the high school coach, and he's like, oh, yeah, like I'll go get Keandre for you. Well, we show up, and Keandre's already working out in the weight room. <laughs> it's like 1 <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon. And I was like, okay. He's like there, you know, shirt off, sweating in the weight room. Um, so this guy, I think, Matt, they want him to gain 10 more pounds. He is going to early enroll. Of, of course, he'll sign on Wednesday. But you look at the need that they have in this class, and his relationship with Jared Parker is as much of a reason as anything why he's coming to Penn State. The relationship with Parker extends back a couple stops, so Parker got in on him early. He put him through a workout at camp, and all of that stuff matters, and you know what they're telling Lambert is basically, we're not going to guarantee anything. We want you to get in here, see how it goes, but Obviously, in Lambert's mind, which is like any highly touted prospect, they want to be three and out, you know, three and out and get to the league. Uh, But also, and I'll tease the story this way, too, um, there is so much more to Keandre Lambert than just Keandre the football player. Uh, He really has a heck of a story, a heck of a personal story, stuff that he's worked through throughout his life just to get to this point. Uh, which is really just some, you know, inspiring stuff that he was sharing with me when we met last week. So, I mean, he's a guy who, Matt, I think you look at it physically. I mean, we'll see what happens when he gets here with Dwight Galt, but I think you could make a case based off of what I've seen, what I've heard, you know, the way he looks. I think you can make a case that this guy can help you next year, uh, which, again, the need certainly is there for it. Yeah, absolutely. Wide receiver is, you know, they we didn't see much of John Dunmore, TJ Jones. They have a couple guys who were in the class of mm-hmm. 2019. So there are still, despite all the problems at receiver, there's still 
players in that group. And you look at, you know, Daniel George is a guy who was highly recruited as well. Um, but we're also awaiting the KJ Hamler decision as well, which is going to yeah. maybe affect how many of these guys are needed next year too. So still some moving parts, you know, with Justin Shorter, we thought would be a big part of Penn State's future. Uh, not the case. So maybe, you know, maybe Matt, we're talking, you know, in next month and potentially maybe we're at that point where Jahan Dotson's your number one, you know, yep. like that's, that's where this thing could be headed. And you mentioned TJ Jones, which is, I'm glad you did because I remember around this time last year, talking to people uh, at his high school, that kind of thing, getting to just try to know him a little bit better. And another guy who is a big bodied receiver who they thought very, very highly of. So he could be one to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, Dunmore was a highly touted guy too. So I think this time of year, Matt, as, as they go through bowl prep, as they get ready for like this next wave, that is the off season. These are all the guys that we need to start asking about learning more about, because I think these are the players who could play a bigger role for this team next season. And I should mention, you know, it's not just Kendra Lambert either. Penn State has gone hard after wide receivers in this class, and justifiably yeah. so. But there's uh, five wide receivers committed to Penn State, including uh, Lackawanna Juco yeah. transfer Norval Black from Scranton. Uh, and the, But also Parker Washington, the four-star receiver from Texas. Jaden Dotton, the four-star receiver from Connecticut. Suffield, Connecticut. So you have three four-star receivers committed to this class. And Malik um, Maga from Canada. So there you go. So... Mm -hmm. I mean, so plenty of options and some guys with some size as well. We got a 6'1", 6'3", 6'4". So an intriguing crop of receivers. And we didn't even mention Theo Johnson, of course, the big tight end. who's going to come in and, you know, is, is one of the most talented players in the class as well. Yeah, that was the Johnson commitment was huge for them because up until that point, um, you know, everybody wanted to talk about who they didn't get, who they who they lost, who flipped, that kind of thing. Um, but again, Matt, we have to see with this new offensive coordinator – what is that, you know, how does that change things, right? How are they going to utilize the tight end? Because now you've got a plethora of riches at tight end as well, just like you do at running back. Um, how do you maybe use that to potentially make up for what could be, probably maybe will be some inexperience in the receiving core? Well, it's not the only, uh, well, we're talking about a lot of names at receiver. We don't know how crowded it's going to be because some guys haven't panned out, but there's mm -hmm. potentially a lot of options at least. We, we don't know how that position is going to shake out in the next year. The other position that is, you know, hard to get a read on is running back. Uh, I want to get into, <laughs> we, we have, we've solicited some listener questions on the athletic in the last couple of weeks. We haven't gotten to all of them. So I have a few recruiting oriented questions. Maybe we could touch on here to close the show including one from Peter M who asked, how does Penn state sell running back recruits to join an already packed room? If Devin Ford and Noah Kane were told that they would be the next Sony, Michelle and Nick Chubb referring to the Georgia yep. backfield. Then what were Lee and Holmes t told if four backs were a struggle this year, <laughs> then do both 2020 running backs red shirt. Uh, yeah. Penn state has two running back commitments and four we, plus Nick Gary, but four, uh, you know, uh, guys, obviously in the mix yeah. as we saw this year. So how was this, going to shake out over the next couple of years boy I wish I could tell you I mean it's and I'm glad that he brought up the Georgia mention because that's what they were selling guys on last year was hey come here you know it's going to be like the Georgia backfield but one thing that Jaywan Sider doesn't do when he recruits guys is he doesn't guarantee playing time he doesn't tell them like hey you're going to come in here you're going to start what he tells them is hey you're going to come in here you're going to have a shot and if that means, you know, you're ready, great. If you're not, you're not. Um, you know, and 
and Sider said it this past year too, that in an ideal world, they would have redshirted either Kane or Ford this year. One of those two guys would have taken a redshirt. But because they felt both were ready, they then were able to go and play both, burn both redshirts. So, I, Matt, I don't know if, as the million-dollar question with that backfield, does somebody go in the transfer portal this offseason? I don't Odds know. Odds are eventually. If it's not this year, then next year, it's like it's just impossible yeah. to hold on to so many guys for so long. It's just... It's not like a criticism of anybody. It's not a criticism of Penn State. It's not a criticism of the players. It's just that's usually what happens when you have a really crowded position where th- that they've recruited well. Because it's not just, you know, it, it's these are highly recruited guys. All the, Journey Brown was the most lightly recruited of these like mm-hmm. six guys, and he rushed for seven hundred yards. <laughs> and he's games. your starter, yeah. <laughs> and is a state track champ like record setter. Like, I do wonder if maybe because I know that the. the the one who always comes to mind first in terms of would they stay, would they not, obviously is always Ricky Slade um, because he was supposed to be the guy. Do they maybe try to get him involved in a different type of role next year with him catching more passes? I'm curious to see. Um, But there's also the reality that none of these guys are close to being grad transfers, so there's that. Now, who knows with waivers, these kinds of things. Um, the way that's happened over college football, but it's not like you're dealing with a group where, you know, oh, you've got a guy who's a junior who's ready to graduate who could go somewhere else and be eligible right away. That complicates things as well. So I don't know what they do in this backfield with, you know, next year basically six, well, seven with your six backs who you are like really, really high on, six guys who you recruited. I don't know how that shakes out. Um, I know that it helps that the four that they have together now really like each other, really get along well. That dynamic, uh, we wrote about it, we talked about it a lot this year. I think that matters. I think it also matters that they like Jaywan Sider and have a good relationship with them. But what happens with a new offensive coordinator? You know, does does a new OC say maybe, okay, like, Ricky, we're going to try to carve out a role for you to do this? Or does that change at all? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I, six backs, man. I Jeez, I don't know how they – credit to Jaywan Sider for trying to keep six kids happy because that certainly has to be a thankless job. But this is what you got to do. You recruit as many talented players as you can, so it's a good yeah. problem to have. And Jaywan Sider, we could see uh... – the work he is doing because he's bringing in two running backs who, you know, Kaziah Holmes from, from Florida. Florida and Kayvon Lee from Florida, both four-star recruits, uh, both in the top. Well, Holmes is listed as on 24-7 as an all-purpose back at number four at that position. And Lee is the number 20 running back recruit in the country at six foot two ten, a little bit uh, bigger than Holmes, who's 5'11", 179. Who seems to be the type of skill set that could also move around, be a change of pace type option. Uh, but a lot of a lot of intrigue in the running back room because it's just, as we mentioned, yeah, Journey Brown was the three-star recruit. He turns out to be the starter by the end of the year. You know, I think you could still make an argument that Noah Kane might be the best back that they have right now based on what we saw from him when he was healthy. Uh, but we've seen flashes from all of them, and you have two more big-time recruits coming in. So it's, yeah, how do you keep all of them happy? Honestly, I think it's impossible. Like It's just, it is. There, there's, there's no six way. Guys. I mean, there's one football, and, there you know, there's going to be six kids, and what do you what do you try to do to even keep these guys engaged in meetings and in practices and like you know how do you split the reps there there's the other part you know it's like 
And is it something where maybe after spring ball, one guy says, you know what, all right, I don't like where I'm at? Because uh, I think that's always the other period. If somebody doesn't leave after the bowl game, then typically we see it in the spring, right? So at that point, they're maybe one semester closer to graduation or, you know, they got a full year in, whatever that may be. Um, so spring's always the time for some movement as well. But I don't know, Matt, if, if they come into next season with all of these running backs still here, that's going to be one heck of a dynamic. Um, but I also, I wouldn't be shocked if they do have all of these guys. Like, I feel like that's the other side yeah, of this, yeah. you know? Uh, to me, it'd be very believable that they would have all of these guys next year. So who the heck knows? But do they have all these guys two years from now? There is no way. Well, one other, let's get into just one other question quickly before we sign off here on Gerald State. James W. asked, uh, there's no secret that the best way to get to the college football playoff is to recruit five-star players. Penn State does well with four-star recruits, but lags behind the big boys when it comes to the five-stars. Clearly, there's no easy way to break down this threshold, or, or Franklin would already be doing it. From being around the program, what do you think is the secret sauce to big-time five-star recruiting? What are your thoughts on how Penn State can get to that next level? Is it simply a matter of winning? If you win, they will come. In some regards, yes. Uh, winning matters. Winning matters a lot. You look at the head-to-head games between Penn State and Ohio State, and I say this because this is something that Julian Fleming brought up himself when he you know, signed or made his commitment this summer and, and discussed, outlined his, his decision-making. Um, the head-to-head games for him mattered. Now, they don't to every kid. It really depends on the person, but when it you go from the four to the five-star guy, I mean, it's... It's certainly winning. That's a big part of it. It's also your depth chart and, you know, who's their quarterback? Who's their offensive coordinator going to be? Who's their position coach going to be? What kind of relationships do they have with them? And the thing is, it varies so much from kid to kid. And I think that's probably what makes it a little frustrating maybe for Penn State at times because it's like, hey, you know, they've recruited consistently at a very high level since James Franklin has been here. And, you know, you're able to get a Micah Parsons, you're able to get a Brandon Smith, but, you know, you look at this class and everybody says, boom, the slam dunk was Julian Fleming because of geography, because of his girlfriends at the school, and you don't get him. I mean, you can't, you can't get every single kid. I mean, like, these other schools do a heck of a job, too. I mean, that's what you're consistently going up against. Um, I'd say for Penn State, for the time being, I know some people... It's, you know, they mentioned facilities or uniforms, all these other things. Yes, that matters, but I always get the sense that the thing that matters most is winning games and consistently winning games over time. Uh, And that's where I think you look at last year, Penn State took a step back in a year that everybody thought they'd be better. Trace McSorley gets hurt. They end up in the Citrus Bowl. Uh, They rebounded very nicely this year and exceeded expectations, but again, you know, had they been in a New Year's Six game last year, Matt, who knows how that then maybe trickles over and impacts this current recruiting class a little bit. Uh, but now you can say, okay, you know, you're sustaining success. James Franklin has a contract extension. Uh, Brent Pry is telling kids that he's, you know, plans to be here for the long haul. That stuff helps. But again, you're in the Big Ten East. And how do you, you know, how do you get around that without beating Ohio State? And that's that's the reality here. But it's like a chicken and egg situation because yeah. then how do you beat Ohio State if you don't have the five stars? And I mean, that's that's just the difficulty of this. But there's also the reality too. 
that State College, Central Pennsylvania, is not for everyone. While the football atmosphere here is absolutely incredible, you know, Penn State can sell the whiteout, 107K strong, all those kinds of things. It's also, you know, some people don't want to live here year-round. I get it. Uh, Maybe you'd be more inclined by a Florida, by a Miami, um, by something on the West Coast. Like, there's always that reality of it, too. Um, Because you are in a small town, uh, it is a little bit different. It's not the easiest place to get in and out of. Um, If you're a kid who doesn't like the snow, who doesn't like the cold... Probably, you know, it's not. it might not matter if you win head-to-head against Ohio State. Maybe you're still more intrigued by a warmer climate, um, and maybe you'd prefer a Clemson. Who knows? I mean, I think it just it varies so much from kid to kid. Well, and here's the good news, though, for Penn State. They have recruited at a high, pretty high level. They're you yeah. know, consistently like a top 15 level right now. Um, I think we've mentioned it before, but uh, SB Nation Banner Society does the, the blue chip ratio. Uh, their Bud Elliott has kind of figured out that to win a national championship, basically, to have a chance, you have to recruit at least 50% of your recruits have to be blue chip recruits, four or five stars. It seems like a pretty good, easy benchmark to go by. Um, Penn State is one of the teams that is over that benchmark because of James Franklin's recruiting. They're, they were at 60% last year, which was tied for sixth. Who's that tied for sixth with? Clemson, USC, Michigan. Yeah. So, you know, they, they've now there's a couple of teams at the top of that that Ohio State, Alabama, and Georgia like just are like lapping the field in terms of how far ahead they are in, in terms of signing those. And now Clemson is trying to join them this year. Clemson's recruiting class is pretty ridiculous. They have six yeah. five stars this year. Uh, so Clemson has kind of made that. Penn State has actually recruited at a pretty similar level to Clemson in recent years. Clemson, though, with these national championships, has made that leap and is recruiting even at an Alabama level or even higher. But again, it, it, Penn State hasn't been that far off. If you look at um, 24-7 also does the what they call their talent composite, which is looking at the rosters and ranking how much talent the teams have based on what the recruiting rankings were. Now, again, that's not always accurate, but it's still a pretty good gauge. And Penn State going into this year was 10th, right behind number eight, Oklahoma, and number nine, Clemson, two teams that are in the playoff. So... You would like to see Penn State get some more five stars that are definitely lagging behind in that, but the depth of the classes has been pretty good. Um, this year is a little bit different. Uh, we can get into, I think, on Thursday some of the challenges, which includes a weaker year in Pennsylvania and then yeah. missing on the top guy in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. But overall, this is probably going to be – it's number 12 right now in the 24-7 composite. I would guess it's probably going to end up probably around 15 or 16 maybe. Uh, just based on what happens, there's going to be some more commits. Yeah, that seems right. So – Still a pretty good year. It's not as quote-unquote elite as you maybe fans would hope uh, or maybe even as James Franco would hope. But, but here's it's the thing, still going to be a good class. If you develop these guys, nobody's going rem- to remember that's if it true. was a four or a five-star. I mean, that's... I or three-star, Trace McSorley. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Allen Robinson. I mean, that was one of the guys that I remember, you know, it was... You can point to And I think Allen was a three-star. Uh, you know, I mean, it's you just you never know um, or you get a big time guy and he gets hurt. I mean, there's so many variables with it. But if you develop the guys that you have and you go and win some games, no one's going to care, you know, what the ranking was. So we'll see. But it certainly looks like there won't be any surprises on Wednesday. Uh, we will see. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I mean, 27 commits. Penn State is looking for everyone to sign on Wednesday. Um We'll see, Matt. Who knows? I mean, it's always uh, we'll when you're dealing suspense. with, yeah, when you're dealing with <laughs> high school kids, you never know what's going to happen. 
Well, we will be back on Thursday with our athletic subscriber only edition of Dear Old State. We will get deeper into the class. I think we'll go a little bit deeper into some of the players and just kind of the strengths and weaknesses of the class. I would like to talk about, too, some of the geography with the class as well, which I think is really important to note. I just mentioned Pennsylvania having a weak year, which has made it an interesting class for Penn State geographically, in which it's mm-hmm. the, the it's it's very spread out in terms of location and, and the number of states this year. So it's an interesting class to talk about, even if it's it's you know not going to be a top five type class. It's still a good one, interesting one to talk about. So uh, Audrey and I will be back on Thursday on Dear Old State, again on the Athletic app only. We will break down the recruiting class and uh, talk about if there is any news from Wednesday, but James Franklin will have his signing day press conference, and Audrey, of course, will be there. So we'll see. We'll see if there's any surprises, Audrey. <laughs> and as always, don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to Dear Old State. And thank you very much. So subscribe to The Athletic. Read Audrey's stories this week. Uh, the Curtis Jacobs story is up Monday, and the Keandre Lambert story will also be up. And then we'll have, of course, our full coverage of signing day at Penn State, but also from our staff across the country. So thanks for li- thanks for listening to Dear Old State. Yeah.